The Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up business lines of credits for small business, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS, it's in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. And you can learn more. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. And during that time, I would tell you, I almost always had a line of credit in place. I just think it's so valuable. And that's the reason why we started Financing Solutions 10 years ago. We just felt that it was something that businesses really needed. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I'm excited to be speaking with Simon Severino from Strategy Sprints. Simon hey. helps business owners in SaaS and service run their company more effectively and efficiently, which results in sales that soar. Trusted by Google, Roche, Consilens, Ventures, Amgen, and AbbVie, he created the strategy sprints method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. Simon is a TEDx speaker and a contributor to Forbes, the Entrepreneur Magazine, and a member of the SVBS Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. Simon, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. When, when you spoke on TEDx, what was your topic? It was about how your weirdness is also your main asset. And oh, yeah. Use that for strategic differentiation. Yeah, weirdness as a company or weird weirdness as a person? That was for people because TEDx is a very broad yeah. thing. So it's listened by everybody. And so I did it on the person level. Yeah. But the same thing is also when you run a company, it's the same thing. What's, what's differentiating you? What makes you unique? Why is your offer the right offer? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be controversial what I say, but I think there's certainly time. I think this seems that the more weird you are in business, the more successful you are in business, but not the more successful you are in life. Like, it seems to me that people who are very, very creative and have this weirdness to them, uh, they're, they do really well because they're unique. And it seems like the, the workforce now needs unique people, not, not, uh, people who follow the rules. What do you, what do you think about that? I think everybody's unique and the world needs. Well, that that's uniqueness. true. That's true. Yes. And, and sometimes we can mimicry, like we can, um, conform ourselves and just show the side that is like everybody else. But I think the magic is really in the weird part, in the part that is different. And the more people are confident that this edge of themselves is actually 
magic. It's actually something that we need as a society and we need in business. We need more critical thinking. We need more different approaches. And that makes the world colorful and that makes the economy also interesting and, and creative and fun, actually, because there is so many different things to experience. It's a festival of differences. So I'm all for critical thinking, for being who you are, and that makes the world uh, really, really much more interesting. Yeah, I know that uh, a while ago I was reading uh, an article about uh, the differences between the United States and, and a country such as Japan, and that you know people underestimate in the United States. Uh, just an example of the United States, because Europe has has it as well. But even then, uh, the multi uh, ethnicity in the United States is such a strategic strength uh, of the country. The ability that we have to come up with unique ideas uh, from different perspectives. And what the article was about was how Japan really struggles with that because they don't, they don't really embrace immigration in, the, in Japan. And so I think it, it validates what your topic was about at TEDx because it's the uniqueness and the, uh, the difference in us that makes, let's just talk about business, of very success, very successful businesses. Would you agree with that? I'm a, a firm proposer of differences. I'm, and that's why I love the free market, because the free market allows all differences to unfold. And that, that's what makes um, entrepreneurialism possible and innovation possible. And we live right now in very, very exciting, also very disruptive, times where you have both you have recession and inflation on the one side but also you have what's what's being destroyed creates space for the new solutions and these are also the most innovative times if you think of the last recession that was when when today's winners were created and um, technologies came up that were accelerated via the, those conditions so right now it's tough to run a business but it's also full of opportunities. We, yeah, we you know, it, to, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. We will have to let go of some parts, some products, some of our behaviors and routines, but there is a whole wide opportunity space opening up and um, we can crush it with our businesses if we tap into that innovation zone. And so it's both. It's destruction and creation at once. That's what the economy is about. And in these times, you see it just um, more intensely. Yeah, it, you know, I've been through three recessions. So, you know, the thing I've learned is that every, every 10 years, there's, a, there's a, usually a major recession. And those recessions uh, tend to weed out the weaker companies and, and the better companies uh, thrive once the recession's over. And, uh, you know, I think... I don't know if I think that COVID is going to have the same reaction. I mean, yes, you could say there's, you know, the, the, the effect on people being able to now work from home and, you know, that's a major shift, 
But I'm really curious to see if really, really innovative ideas came out of that COVID period. Because I think it took people so long to one, get used to the change that it was affecting us. Well, and let me tell you a story from our community. Yes, please. We, it was March, March, uh, when the when the uh, lockdown started. Yes, and we we were all in shock. So I created a a mastermind, a weekly mastermind every Monday, open for everybody for free. Just business owners come together. Let's talk about it, and we called it um, uh, handling the situation. Handling the situation. Who wants to talk about handling the situation? Come in. Let's talk. And so entrepreneurs from everywhere came in. We were around 50 people in the first session. And one Australian guy says, I'm building uh, things out of uh, wood. So I'm building uh, tables. And no, he was building stages, big stages oh. for 5,000 people events. Yeah. Like the rock, rock stages, right, for yeah. musicians. Yeah. And he says, from one day to the other, I have zero revenue. It's, it's over. And I said, all right, how do you handle that? And, and so week by week, we were there together from shock to creating meaning, collecting data, generating ideas, unfreezing a little bit. By week three, he says, guys, I've realized that the same material we can just put together in a different way. People are at home now in lockdown. They don't have tables. I have so much wood from the stages and I have the best people to build tables. So we just, we are going to pivot from building stages to building tables. And um, we're going to ship those tables to people who need them in their living room because they need a small niche where they can have a desk because they're working from home and they, they are not prepared for that. So they need those little desks. We are building 1000 desks right now and shipping them. From there, week later, he says, that's going really well. And now old women are calling us. They need a bridge table. <laughs> they always wanted a bridge table, but it was never so affordable. We have now this affordable small table. So we are adding the bridge table <laughs> that you yeah. can put away when you're not playing. And then and you build it up when you're playing. So they became super innovative in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I I I that I kind of assumed was going to go on pivoting. I think I think when you have an existing business where uh, you know, the revenue is not there and you have to make a decision to pivot. I think that's, that's an easier decision. I think it's the ones that I talk about for the startup where they didn't have an existing business because it was just the idea of, I just kind of feel like a lot of startup businesses are not done by just one person that you need that other person there to share ideas with. I don't know what the stats are about new businesses starting with more than one person versus uh, businesses starting just sole by, by one person. I mean, when I started my business, SIS, my first three, it was just, I didn't have a partner. So, uh, you know, but you know what, let's, let's dive into today's topic, which is the three CEO habits every business owner's owner needs. And uh, we probably can, you know, parlay it into our discussion that we've had so far, but 
on the top of the list, number one, and again, keep in mind that the our listeners are five million dollars and smaller in revenue right now, looking to get over ten million, right? So these are so, smaller businesses. These are business owners who are still developing their skills. What would you say it's the number one most important CEO habit for successful business ownership? In these times when it's tougher than tough, 95% is not in your control. The supply chain is not in your control. The market is not in your control. What is really in your control when you are below 5 million or at 5 million? What is really in your control? The three habits that we use ourselves, I use them every day, and we share them with our clients when we coach them, is really the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit are the only three things that are in your control. But if you control them, you are running your business instead of your business running you under all weather conditions. So under changing conditions. Daily habit. How do you allocate your time and what will you delegate, automate, outsource tomorrow? Because the when you are at around one to five million, the game is now to scale. So what brought you here will not bro bring you to the next. You have to get out of the weeds. <laughs> you are probably still in some form working in the business. And so we have to get you out of in the business and work on only on the business. This is time to have to divide your business into the marketing department, the sales department, and the operations department, and have one person each running that. And you just work on the business, not in the business. So how do you get there? By every day writing down how you are allocating your time. And in the evening, you ask yourself two questions. And I have a template for that if people want to download the template in the end of the episode. It's the daily flow that I use every day. So I write down, this is my flow of today. And then it asks me two reflective questions. One is, of all these things, which one will I delegate tomorrow? And the second question is, if I would live more freely and more intentionally, what would I do tomorrow? And now, informed by this three minutes exercise, I create the flow of tomorrow, the agenda of tomorrow. That's the daily habit. Because this is always in your control. Whatever happens, you control how you respond to things. Supply chains break, okay. But you control how you respond to that. What will you do in the morning? What will you do in the afternoon? That's in your control. That's the daily habit. Weekly habit, get your three main numbers because otherwise you are flying blind. And what are the main three numbers? Are the three numbers that tell you if they're moving in the right direction at the right pace. So again, if we simplify, one marketing number, one sales number, and one operations number of this week. So can marketing number can be how many people, new people were on our website this week, how many of them want really to talk to us. Sales number is pretty straightforward. Number of sales conversation, dollar number that you closed, and um, percentage. Operations number, how many... Client referrals did we get? Clients that are so happy that they referred us to somebody. How many referrals asked did we, did we do, our team? How many times did we ask? And um, how many pissed off clients we, we turned into happy clients because we reacted quickly and implemented what they were missing? So this can be your simple dashboard. That's the weekly habit is to get those numbers reported every week. <clears throat> 
somebody in your teams, they prepare them and um, we have a, a blueprint, a template for our clients. So they just, every Friday, just they just look at these three numbers, it's visualized, and they see it going up by 1%. If it's not going up by 1%, then they stop and they do half an hour deep dive. Okay, what's going on? Let's find out. That's the weekly habit. And the monthly habit is budgeting accordingly to where are you winning right now compared to your competition? And where are you losing right now compared to your competition? Your top 10 features, we analyze them with the equalizer. It's, it's our, our tool. It's a simple spreadsheet, but it helps you. It creates two buckets on the left side where you're losing right now against your competitor. This is where you will cut 15% costs in the next month's budget. And you will reinvest those 15% on the right side where you are currently winning. So there are two features where you are currently winning. This week you are winning from the perspective of your client against your competitors. So you are better in A and B. And now you put 15% more, you invest 15% more time and resources into that. You will crush it. And you are strategic, strategically positioned. You are harder to get, harder to attack, harder for other people to get your clients because you are already winning in those two things and now 15% more. So your strategic advantage is always a little bit more compared to your competitors. And this is what you want to have. Yeah, it's amazing. I look back at when I started my first couple of businesses <clears throat> and where I put my time was just, you know, it's, if you're a good business person, honestly, you don't work 70 or 80 hours a week. You know, you, you really learn to whittle that down. You know, I, I, and I think it's about, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Definitely. Especially the first one was well put time management, you know, where, where do I put my time? And, uh, I think that is, you know, really key. Um, I think when you first start your business, I think, you know, you definitely have to work a lot in it. And, and I think that helps you become a better business person to understand the business. But as soon as the revenue allows you, you got to start working on the business and not in the business. And by the way, that was a Michael Gerber. Um, that's a, he's a famous author that uh, wrote that a long, long time ago. You need to write. Uh, work on the business, not in a business. You know, I was thinking as, as you were answering, before you were answering the question, I was thinking, what would my three be, right? And, and again, you've had time to think about it, right? Uh, I think number one is right. You're right. It's your time management. Like, I don't know if having not heard you talk about your three, if I would have thought of that as one of the top three, but I think that is number one is time management. Number two, I think we were very similar. I think you got to really know your your the your numbers, right? So you have to track things. You have to have KPIs. You have to you know make sure you're looking at your numbers. Look, make sure you know how to read an income statement and a balance sheet, and you know you're tracking those things. The third one, I think I would say, well, I'm a real big guy for lead generation. I just think that if you don't have a marketing, I call it a lead generation program you don't have a business, right? You could have the best quote unquote tables in the world, but if you can't get clients to come to you inexpensively and then you make good money off of them, then I think that you got a problem. 
And I think a lot of small businesses, um, they struggle in, um, they struggle in the area of, uh, we have a technical problem, huh? So we, we struggle in the area of uh, uh, lead generation or marketing. We spend a lot of time on product. And, uh, you know, I think that's a little bit of an issue. So, uh, you know, I think that those are where are my top three, time management. Number two, uh, uh, knowing your financials and having KPIs. And three, making sure you have lead generation. And a good way to know if you have lead generation is to understand if you have if you understand your cost of acquisition, what is it, what did it cost you to acquire a client and what did you make off of that client or clients on average? So those, those were my kind of off the top of my head, my top three, but I like what you're Yeah. In the weekly habit, in the weekly habit, that's, that's the marketing number. That's the mar yeah. lead gen is, is a marketing number. How do you, how do you fill the pipeline and sales numbers are how much do you close from that pipeline? And it's so important people who might be at the beginning of their sales journey, they sometimes like skip filling the pipeline for a couple of weeks. Let's say, oh, over holidays, let's, let's relax a little bit. And then January comes and the pipeline is half full and then they have a sales problem. So I'm happy that you say lead gen because this is something that people really, however they call them, prospecting, starting conversation, just have as many conversations with the right people as possible per week and make sure you always fill that pipeline with real, true, valuable conversations because that pipeline you will need in sales to create a, a repeatable and reliable closing stream. Yeah, I think it depends on the business. You know, some businesses aren't, they're built for, you know, not a lot of talking interaction between clients. It's, it's they're more transactional type of thing. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I think if you have that type of business, I think you also have to make sure you're talking to clients regardless. So, um, so let's go back to the conversation that we had about uh, weirdness or um, what, what do you think when you've, you've met CEOs who are successful in business, what characteristics do you see that they have personally that plays well into the success of the business? I've seen so many CEOs where after working with them 20 years and now they are on their ship on the Mediterranean and they call me 11 in the evening and I go, come on, you don't need this. You can enjoy your yeah. wine, enjoy your ship. Why are you calling me? Yes, Simon, let's start this new thing. I have this new idea. And so first time I, I saw that, I was like, okay, that's this person. And then the second client, same thing. And the 10th and the 15th. And now I realize that's how we are wired. We don't do this for the outcome. So whenever you sell it and it, you, you made a fortune, it's not over because it's not about the fortune. Yeah. It's about the, the game, the, the journey, the experience, the here and now, this excitement of finding out a better way to, do, to create something and getting these endorphins when you see that the other side says, oh yeah, this is really much better. You have, you have improved my life. Yeah, it's a game. I, I think it's, I, I think it's a weird way to put it, but it is a game that you like to play. You know, uh, you really enjoy it. And uh, so I, I agree with you. I think uh, 
some of the very, very successful entrepreneurs that I know, though, I would say is uh, su successful in the way of how you know, they really created very, very big companies. They they don't have much personal life. Their their business is their baby, and a lot of things get sacrificed for that reason. Um, that's some of the experiences I've had of some business owners I know have very, very big companies. Uh, you know, they are working those 80, 90 hours a week and they, they love it, but then they often have problems at home or, you know, other issues or they don't have other interests. Their hobby is the business. That's, you know, I'm not saying everybody's that way, but that's been a generalization that I've seen. And I, like you, you know, know a lot of business owners. So, uh, what else have you noticed in successful? So you, you're saying is successful business owners, a unique trait they have is money's not the primary motivator anymore. It's building something. Is that what you're saying? You start because that's who you are. You are utterly unemployable. You are very creative and you are able to create something out of nothing. That's your superpower. And so that's, that's the kind of animal that entrepreneurs are. And they are full of energy and they just create. So, and that's beautiful. It, 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 you know, it drives the economy, drives innovation. We, we create jobs. And then the second part is you have to divide the ego from the thing that you are building for, for two reasons. First, because you become the bottleneck of your growth, of the growth of your business. And it's not about you anymore. Yes, that your passion started it, but now it's much bigger. Now it's about the space between, uh, let's say you were the dancer, now you are the dance floor. Now you are you know, making sure that everybody can dance and more people can dance. And that happens by removing yourself, removing you physically from, from, from the weeds, from the thing. And, and that's, that's not easy as a transition. I went through it myself and I had a coach. Without him, I could never have done it. I said, Simon, we have to get you two levels above fulfillment. And I said, what is this? And, and he explained and helped me really break, break it down into the marketing department, the sales department, the ops department. I was all these departments. And then he said, no, 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 no. We have to get you out of that. And now you will only work on high leverage things, on big joint ventures, on writing your first book, on, on scaling via partnerships and affiliate partnerships, etc. cetera, uh, ecosystem building, community building. All these things were completely new for me. I was just passionate about the one thing that I'm building. And so that's quite a shift. And so the successful entrepreneurs are the ones who get that shift right. They realize at some point that this thing is bigger than they are and that they are the limiting factor and they are not the dancer anymore. They're the dance floor. And so that shift, if they're happy enough to have a mentor like Michael Gerber or um, a blueprint, a set of blueprint like the Strategy Sprints method that I just published, by the way, people can get it on Amazon. It's the blueprint, how you run marketing operations, operations and sales operations. The, in the right way. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. We've done this with 1,600 people and now you can take the blueprints and run. So either a mentor or the blueprints, something that really helps you get that shift. And it's both inner work and external work. 
The external work are those blueprints and you can get them. The inner work is dividing your ego from the thing. So, and it's really important for, for both things. First, because otherwise you are hindering the, the, the scalability of the business. And second, because if you are too attached, you might get a heart attack, you might burn out. And this also happens. So how do you not get a heart attack? How do you not burn out? By dividing your self-worth, how you feel, and we are all workaholics when we do this, of course, in some form. Yeah. Yeah? But how can we get um, to a healthy management of this? By dividing how we feel. A, a, a great sales month, oh, I'm a genius. A bad sales month, oh God, I'm an idiot. From that, dividing it a little bit more. No, 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 it's the dance floor and I'm the curator of the dance floor. I show up and curate the dance floor. I repair this part. I bring in new material. I change some parts. Every day I show up, every day I improve it. And that's the daily practice. The outcome, I detach myself from the outcome. At some point we will 10X and we will 10X multiple times, but I detach myself from feeling today a genius or an idiot because that roller coaster is not good for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember those days. You're right. Oh boy, I, I forgot the roller coaster feelings that were going around. And what's interesting is the more businesses I built, the longer I went along, the bigger the businesses were, the less that roller coaster feeling was. And I devoided myself of those emotions. That, 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 I don't know if it's devoid is the right word, but um, it, you know, it, and I was less like, concerned about the short term and bigger picture looking long term. So yeah, you're right. I forgot about those days. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if you belong to it. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Simon, but I, uh, you know, I joined the entrepreneur organization, which is 15,000 members throughout the world. And you know, I haven't mentioned that entrepreneur organization in a long time. But I specifically joined that organization oh, 20 four years ago now, uh, because of that roller coaster, you know, cause I needed help. And, um, you know, I think that that organization is well designed to help you. They put you into a, a group with other entrepreneurs and you, it was interesting. We, I don't think we ever realized that roller coaster method, but we were all in it, you know, or the, the 10 guys that were there. What's interesting is, uh, Eight of those 10 guys, I still meet with every month, 20 years later, you know, we, yeah. we still do that. So. And it's so important to add this addition of mastermind. So we, we have been talking about ecosystem and community building. It's both on both sides. It's really important that you are a member of those communities yes. because in some days you just need people just to tell them, oh my God, I lost this contract in that country. I made that legal mistake. This is what it's costing me right now. And they will tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I had the same thing. Look, take care of this, then do this, then do this. And just having that space and just being having the possibility just to air this is super important. And two hours later, you are on to the next thing anyways. But it's super important to have this space that can hold that. The next thing is in those partnerships, you can develop affiliate partners that make introductions. They are already uh, farther than you. They learn something about PR that you can use. You have learned something about 
operations that they can use. That's super important. And to me, my mastermind is for me the most important part of the week. We meet, we meet all the time. It's, I'm, I'm in the JVC, in the Joint Venture Club. We meet 24-7 in, in a Slack group. And I'm asking everything. Like, hey, people, I need, I don't want to pay a PR agency for a monthly retainer. Who has one that is performance-based? And everybody goes, oh, oh no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And then the 30th member says, I have one. And it goes, ah, we got it. And now we are all booking that, that PR agency. These things are small, but you have five, six of these decisions to make every day as an entrepreneur. And so they accumulate. So it's really good to have this place where you can just quickly. Yeah. And, I, and just on that note, I, I see people sometimes in different groups come and go because they feel like they're not getting value out of it. And I, I, my one advice I would tell people is, you yeah, gotta stick it out. You're always gonna get more out of it than than you get than you put into it, believe it or not. But sometimes you just gotta stick it out. It's just a side note of things that I noticed. The, I, there were people who joined our group and then you know decided to to leave, and I'm like, boy, you you made a huge mistake because everybody who stayed in my group, uh, became very successful. You know, and we really now it's now it's no longer about business. It's tell you know, honestly, five or ten years ago, I'd say ten years ago, we stopped needing a lot of advice about business, and it's all switched to uh, mostly about family and kids and fi and personal finance. You know, I mean, yeah, once in a while we have a business problem, but you know, after you've been an entrepreneur for 15 years, you kind of know what you're doing. Uh, honestly, I mean, uh, depending on growth, of course, if you're, you know, now becoming a hundred, $200 million company, that your, your skills as an entrepreneur changes, you know, we have a couple of minutes left and I've been wanting to kind of ask this question to you, Simon. And that is from your experience and I'll, I'll, I'll time it. I'll, I'll also chime in my response too. When you think about people who are not successful CEOs, okay, for small businesses under five million, what do you what what comes to mind to you? The number one thing that you see that they do, which uh, which holds them back. They don't get every seven days their main numbers reported, so they don't know what's going yeah. on, and then of course they cannot possibly take five good decisions per day which is what you need to do as an entrepreneur oh. but that's why they the wrong decisions compound and then the, the thing starts to slip away so one thing is flying blind if you don't have the weekly dashboard on what are you basing your decisions then on sentiment on mood on narratives on intuition that's that's not how you want to build your business um you you want to take decisions based on reality but most people don't have a weekly dashboard. Some people have a monthly dashboard, but they don't, who takes decisions once a month? We take decisions every yeah. day. So that's the main thing that I see. And that and that's why it is really hard to run a business. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I agree, especially when you're, when you're newer at, at this. That's the biggest thing that you see. Um, I, I would even say, like mine was a, a, a little broader, and that is... They, they put their time into things that um, 
isn't really going to pay off big time. Like they're, they're spending their time in areas that just really distracts them from the bigger picture. That's what I see. Yes, especially marketing. Yes. Right? They think that they have to start their own podcast, but they are they are not there yet. They need to have yeah. great operations and sales first before they do anything yeah. marketing. Yeah. But they spend already a lot of time and sometimes even money on marketing. And I go, what are you yes. doing? Before 35K per month coming in while you sleep, yeah. don't touch marketing. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like, I, I, I agree with you. Like, where you put, like, I'm not doing a podcast because I think it's going to be this incredible revenue generated for my company. I, I started the podcast four years ago because I thought it would be fun and it wouldn't take up much of my time. And I, I saw, uh, and, and I said, you know, maybe it'll grow and I'll be able to contribute some money to the bottom line of financing solutions. But the, the, the time that I invested in it wasn't really that big a deal in relation to uh, what it, what it was going to cost me. And, uh, you know, it's grown a lot, you know, now we have thousands of listeners, which I'm, you know, shocked with, uh, it's so much. So we're actually hiring a, now after four years, we're actually hiring a consultant to kind of advise us to make it better because we're now we're starting to see thousands and thousands of listeners, every single podcast. And we're like, Oh, you know, maybe there's something here, but, you know, the Entrepreneur MBA podcast is a very competitive space. So I don't have this grandiose idea that it's going to go very, very far. Uh, and, uh, but it's fun and I like doing it and it's, it's kind of easy. So, uh, but what my, I'm bringing that up by saying is if you think your number one lead generator is going to be podcasts, uh, think again, because it's, it's not. So. It's a long-term brand builder. Yep. It's great for SEO. It's great for meeting cool people and being inspired and uh, refining your thoughts yes. and uh, validating your thesis yes. and getting to know new new authors, etc. That's all cool, but that's all long-term brand building. You do it after you have your solid, let's say, half a million coming in in a repeatable way, even when you're on holidays, and it's not so much dependent on you. Now you pull yourself out and um, this is where we are right now. And then, yeah, now you do everything that is joyful and brand building and community building. And podcast is a great way to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we do like um, 95% of the time I spend, that's my role at my company is the marketing lead generation strategist. That's my role. I spend 95% of my time. So we've tried everything in marketing, you know, and we measure everything. We see what's the most effective we see that's what's the most cost effective, the best clients that produce us uh, the best revenue. Um, and now after, you know, over 10 years of doing this, we kind of know what our good marketing areas are. Um, now, podcasting is not one of those areas. Exactly. You know, so, uh, so good. I guess it's more direct things. It, for us, it's SEO. For us, SEO has always been the biggest winner. Uh, and... Uh, and and it's and for all my companies that I've ever built, S no, well, one right now doesn't do it. One the one company I have right now, it's which is what my biggest company is twenty over twenty five over twenty five million now. Uh, it's all word of mouth. It's all word of mouth. That company is. Um, so it's like relationship building. So, um, and for SEO, the podcast is really wonderful. Yes. 
especially if you are on YouTube, because it's a search engine, yes. right? And so I've been doing 450 episodes of the Strategy Sprints show. And so the word Strategy Sprints, if you now Google Strategy Sprints, we own the term. We, we, we are the internet in terms of those two words. And it's the same uh, words of our main offer, the 90-day Strategy Sprints that doubles your revenue. And it's the same word as the book, and it's the same word, the company name. So for brand building, that is worth a lot, right? And that is worth doing 450 episodes for SEO. Um, but if I would have started that in the first year uh, below half a million revenue, that would have been a distraction. Yeah, agreed. Well, it was a great conversation. Very interesting. I, I was a little more engaged than I normally are in kind of giving my opinion, but uh, it you know it lended itself to it. So I, I appreciate Simon uh, letting me chime in a little bit. Um, so, but that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank so very much Simon Severino from Strategy Sprints for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And please... Uh, if you really like today's show or our past shows, please give us a five-star review. Uh, those uh, contribute greatly to the algorithms that move our shows up and so our listeners, so more people can listen to the show. And we greatly appreciate your review. Um, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, please feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at FS creditline.com at fs as in financing solutions creditline.com simon if anyone wants to get in touch with you how would they go about doing that strategiesprints.com is where you can also download the daily flow that we talked about and the weekly habit and on amazon you can find strategy sprints which is literally the blueprints the checklists that i use to run my businesses and that i share with my clients and that's how they run their businesses strategy sprints great thank you very much simon for coming on yeah um so uh, just to summarize today um i think the three things that uh i heard from simon uh number one you gotta know where you're spending your time and and be proactive about where you're putting your time into your time is extremely valuable number two is you got to know your numbers right and what was the third one, Simon? I, I forgot the third one. Uh, I, I forget the third one right now and Simon's already off. So, uh, but those are two and maybe our listeners can remember the third one that went on. I know we talked about a lot of different things today. So, all right, very good. I want to thank everybody for coming on today. Uh, have a great day. And please keep learning. It's the most important thing as an entrepreneur is to just keep getting better at what you do. 